We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to episode 503, Talk of Buffalo podcast, part of the Blue Warrior Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. It is Friday, casual Friday. That means, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Yo. Aaron Quinn, Cover One. What's happening, man? host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast, alongside... Uh, Greg Thompson, how you doing? As a Bills I'm, fan, I know you're not doing that well. What a terrible this week. has been and continues to be a very uh, stressful week, man. Yeah. For sure. A little less stressful as the week went on here, for sure. Monday, we were talking offline here a little bit. Monday, Tuesday, we're a little in the weeds. Uh, the tough thing for me, <clears throat> Pat, and I'm sure you know this, as people that have to get ready to produce some level of content throughout the week, like, my week already is pretty busy because we go live Wednesday night. And so yeah. I have Sunday night. We are also live for the post game show. And so I'm kind of getting all the information from post game. Then I rewatch the game on Monday, enjoy all the victory Monday stuff. And I don't get on to the opponent until Tuesday and then have Tuesday, Wednesday. And so the Josh Allen stuff really crept deep into Tuesday. And so I didn't really even get started on the Vikings until late Tuesday night. I was cramming plus life exist right so it's just been a wild week i too like josh allen am day-to-day right now uh limited amount of sleep head's kind of fuzzy so we'll see how it goes but i'm surprised you introduced me as a friend after our dms about julia roberts and my take on julia roberts i'm surprised we're still friends and you're willing to admit that yes we'll talk josh allen all right and i was gonna say i kind of got a bone to pick with you man so i was tuesday's years old this tuesday's years old when I found out that you've never seen Notting Hill. Come on, man. man. Honestly, rom-coms aren't that cool. They're fine. They're kind of all the same. Um, I'll check it out at some point. I will, because I think think sometimes you like some corny stuff, but I think for the most part, you've got good takes on entertainment world stuff. So I'll, I'll give it a look. I just think Julia Roberts. You said she was fantastic, and my take is, I've seen a handful of Julia Roberts movies. She's the same person. She's not an actress. She's just Julia Roberts playing some other person. <laughs> That's what she does for a living. She's really pretty and everybody allows her to get away with it. She actually, it's funny because in Nighting Hill, Julia Roberts actually plays a famous actress. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that. But dude, I, I like movies that just, I like movies that make you feel good. Sometimes movies are great to think. Sometimes, you know, they leave you, angry or confused or whatever and that and that's fine but at the end of the day life's hard enough and yeah. i like to put on a movie or go see a movie or throw it on the tv and i like to f- escape reality for an hour and a half to two hours and just sure. feel good about shit man i i just love movies that that, that feel good this is was an escape uh i god I, I still can't believe dude th- and by the way julia roberts for the most part i agree with your take like i don't think she's one of these iconic all-time great actresses by any means but she did have that kind of like tom Hanks had that run where he came up with like forrest gump and philadelphia and yeah. i'm i'm not going quite in order and uh uh i don't know god it's now it's escaping me but he had a run of like three or four amazing movies in a row Right. That's kind of what Julia Roberts did between sure. Pretty Woman and Notting Hill and Aaron Brockovich. But yeah, long lasting power, like anything she's done the last 15 years, I don't care. And this goes all the way back to 1999, man. But she was awesome. And Hugh Grant back in the day, too. 
He was really good, man. He was a, a charming, witty, I think that's good looking me, dude, man. When I saw Hugh Grant in a rom com, to me, it feels like um, every once in a while you get these like cookie cutter blueprint movies that mm-hmm. Hollywood just shoves down people's face because the algorithm seems to work right and that's what in the late 90s early 2000s when i was in high school if it was hugh grant or like the teeny bopper movies like uh there was always the same characters in those teeny bopper rom-coms too and uh what was it julia styles right she was in every single one of those same character and stuff like that so for me that's probably i have a little bias in looking at that movie and saying oh that's just like another mid to early 2000s rom-com same story same thing but i'll check it out i will i'll give it a look it's fair. And Hugh Grant did have like many movies where he was kind of the same guy. Like I said, good looking, witty, funny. Yeah, the British uh, the accent. Yeah, but but this was a good movie. You know, another one too, and this is not new. And I might have even asked you this before. I can't remember to be honest. I can't remember what the hell I did last week. But have you seen Coda? That won Oscar for for best movie. You best told movie me last to watch year. that. You, you still haven't, have you? No, dude. You're I not a movie watch- guy. You're not a movie guy. Here's the thing, Pat. I get uh, by the time my kids are in bed on like any given night, my wife and I have maybe a half hour, forty five minutes to consume something and then get upstairs and go to bed and, and unwind. Uh, and a lot of times I have shows and stuff like that, especially during the season. So in terms of like entertainment time, shows work best for us because I can get a show in in forty five yeah. minutes and continue to do it. So we just don't find a lot of time to sit down and watch a full movie. That's really where it's at. I do like movies. TV shows are more easily um, consumable. Yeah. yeah. You're committing two hours pretty much to watch it. A movie. What else did I want to hit on Twitter? All right. So a lot of shit going on this week. I'm such a hypocrite out here. Look at me. I am too. I I am too. All right. So for people who aren't on Twitter or are, you are a lucky person. You live under a, right. You are, you live under a rock. Um, long story short, Elon Musk bought Twitter and pretty much he's charging eight bucks a month now for anybody, really. Whether whether you were blue checked, whether you were verified or not, doesn't really matter. Um, this is his way of getting eight bucks a month for people. And yeah. I don't want to get into all the little nitty gritty details. Sure. But, you know, long story really? short, y- yesterday, Aaron, so we're yeah. taping this Thursday morning. And you can already see the results, the effects of these new policies coming. Basically, it goes both ways, good and bad. The bad is for eight bucks a month, yeah. you could be a troll, like a literal Twitter or social media troll. Mm-hmm. And for eight bucks a month, you can get a blue check next to you to make you look like you're an authentic person that's verified. And I saw a fake Adam Schefter account yesterday with a blue check mark, which again, we've been seeing these for years, but it used to be easy to, to, to decipher like, Oh, this is, right. this is a bullshit account. I seen with my own eyes, a fake Adam Schefter one, a fake uh, LeBron James, a fake mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. And you got to, now you're kind of like, got to be more careful and you got to do a double check, see how many followers there are, look at their tweet history and stuff before you start uh, believing that. Now on the good side with having or being verified, uh, well, let me go back to the other part too. That sucks. Well, I will say, can I go make ahead. a point on the, yeah, um, the Schefter thing? I under, I retweeted that one saying like, this is why Elon's plan is moronic. But what I will say is I didn't see anyone actually believing that tweet. Like right. I think almost everybody was uh, vigilant knowing that this was coming. And I didn't see anyone that actually was like, oh my God, Odell signed here. Or, oh God, this, everyone was like, see, this is why this whole thing's stupid. So a little bit, we can kind of self-regulate some of this troll stuff. And that account was suspended, I think within like the hour or two. So uh, Twitter is trying to be on top of this. I don't know how they're going to stop people from just getting generating emails and continuing to make troll accounts over and over again and paying that deal. Like that's a system that will just continue to just flush out on itself. That isn't so much my concern. The reason he said he was doing this was because there was a class system, which I actually agree. There was a huge problem with, how check marks were given out, who check marks were given out to, and then sort of like the made up idea of what check marks meant on Twitter, right? Because when check marks first came out, all that it meant was we are verifying this person's identity because they have an influence in a market and somebody mm-hmm. could copy them to put it out. Then it became associated to whoever like so if you work for Vox or if you work for us um one of the usa today uh some of the bigger conglomerate media groups 
even if you're just a contractor, like uh, a blogger for a local thing, then you automatically get a tra- check mark by association. And that turns out there's a lot of turnover there. And then you get this idea that those people's opinions and tweets were already organically uh, because of the way Twitter's algorithm, those were getting ahead of people that maybe actually have more influence in a market. Uh, and so the system was already already class tiered and not a great system to begin with. But then Musk came in and broke it up with actually just paying to be in the tier or not. So he didn't get rid of the system, but now he's just getting money so that that system can exist. So I ended up paying today because as content creators, Pat, we work super hard, man. Like right. I don't, I personally don't care if I ever had a check mark or not. I really don't. I thought the system was kind of stupid and it got away from what it, the original intent. I think people that follow the bills either like me or you don't, and you either trust me or you don't, right? I don't need a check mark to verify that. But now I'm not on a level playing field with those that do. And I already was like some people that had check marks were getting priority over me, but there was enough organic there. And now I'm seeing these new rules and I work too hard. Every, like I just said, like the schedule of putting yeah. this stuff out, we all work too hard to not get seen. And so now I feel like if I want to participate and in, in play in this game of content creation, I have to put some money up so that people can still see my tweets because it, you know, it is a hobby at the end of the day, but there's no point in doing this if you're not getting the engagement. Right. I, I listen, man, I, I couldn't agree more. You literally like kind of, Took the words out of my mouth when it Sorry comes for stealing to, your no, point. No, 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 no. I'm glad you did because I feel the same way. And I know your partner, Greg Thompson, feels the exact same way. And, you know, furthermore, too, what I'm from, what I'm reading is the algorithm that they're setting up that if you don't have a blue check mark, basically ain't nobody going to be seeing your tweets. And that's the way they're going people to decide People have to it. go and dig you out and find you. And right. what we know of how social media works, even people that really like you, aren't going to take that extra step, right? Like information is moving fast. And if you're not on the homepage, you're not getting seen. Sure. Absolutely. So I, I feel like this kind of leaves you in one of two places. Yeah. If you're somebody like you or I or Greg or, or sure. lots of us content creators, it's either a pay for it, which you did and which I have as well, by the way, I also on Thursday morning signed up and paid for, for literally the same reasons that you said. Plus another thing too, is now that I'm, starting to work harder and getting videos mm-hmm. up on YouTube constantly and stuff like that. One of the benefits of having Twitter blue, I think it's called is that you can post longer videos, yes. which I and- like that, you know, you and I say we have a good clip from a podcast, but it goes more than two because two minutes Definitely. and 20 seconds is a limit. Now I can post a three and a half minute video and, and get it out there to more eyes. I will say important. I already as frustrated as I am in the system and that they're charging for this, I already did agree to pay for the Twitter blue that existed before Elon Musk took over, which gave me access to the edit button. Like it was like basically saying any beta uh, beta features or new features that were going to be coming out for Twitter, Twitter blue customers would get access first. So I paid for that already as a content creator because I wanted, I send out tweets sometimes that, I, I don't have time to go back and delete and edit because 30 people have already right. you know, done it. And now I look like an idiot. So I have the ability within a half hour to edit a tweet. Like that's cool. Sure. Um, it pauses my tweets from sending so I can really s- stop, pause and read them. So there were some benefits already. And like you said, the longer video and then we'll roll out more features that are benefits to content creators. They've talked about monetizing more uh, work for content creators on Twitter. All that stuff's cool. My problem is, is they still have this, class system of check marks now and it's fuzzier because now some people are going to make fun of people like me who are having to pay to get that access uh and it will look bad to some people not that i care particularly but you you've still sort of created a class within the check mark system but now there's this whole like dark underground of twitter that won't pay for it and won't have their voice heard because they're just buried unwilling to pay yeah i listen man i couldn't agree more and ultimately that's what i decided because it's either that or pretty much if you're not going to pay and you're going to try to do what we do, bring your, or you can stay on Twitter, but you're not, it's not going to be as effective. You better really focus it on Facebook or TikTok or yeah. all. Not that you shouldn't be doing that stuff anyway. You but should, Twitter, but our reach for cover one, I don't know about you, for cover one, our reach is Twitter in the building. Me too. Like, me too. Big, and I've been on here for a decade and, and you're yeah. just like me, man. It's, it's a slow build. We, especially in my case, I mean, I'm not even part of a brand, so I, I right, haven't right. had co-workers and peers from, from, you know, the same brand pumping me up and, and helping yep. me build a Twitter follower. I've done it over time. So to get to a lot of people, 67, 66, 6,700 Twitters followers ain't shit. But to me, it's been a, a long time. Yeah. And a lot of people see my tweets 
or what I'm putting out. And I'm like, whether it's my own personal opinions, whether I'm promoting a podcast episode like this, whether I'm putting out a video, whatever, I need people to see that. So to potentially not, or have less people see that, you know, all the other bullshit I subscribe and pay money for anyway. I, I mean, right. Jesus Christ, I spend, I already spend too much money. What's another eight bucks? I agree. Some people are going to talk some shit, but you know, Talk your shit, whatever. I work too hard for for doing this to not be able to utilize Twitter properly. What I feel bad for, you know, kind of my last point on this. Again, this isn't about me. I'm fine to pay. Cover one's a business. I can write this off. I, I'm a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, we are operating. We've gotten to a place over the last few years where, where we're operating. We make money for our content and where we have a good subscription base. So if this is not a tweet. My tweets aren't about my personal experience necessarily. I feel bad for the people that are like me in 2011, 2012, when I was just getting started and trying to get views and trying to get seen and trying to get people to bring me onto their podcasts and trying to get, uh, you know, places like WGR to see me so I can come on the radio because that is how you organically start to get yourself noticed and get yourself up there. And I just, I never wanted the point of entry into this to become harder for those people. Cause then there are going to be some people, young college students that have to choose between paying a hundred dollars a year to have this and plus all their other expenses or just not even bothering and going off and doing something else. And who knows, you know, there could be somebody like for me, this is the ultimate pat. I like as a younger man to think that people would listen to me and pay us as a service to hear us talk about the Buffalo bills. Like I get to research the bills and watch the bills and talk about them and people want it. And so to know that maybe somebody's passion, they won't have the point of access that we had. Maybe they can get creative and do it on TikTok and stuff. I just, I feel frustrated that people won't get the same experience that I've had because it's really cool to kind of grow this stuff yourself like that. Couldn't agree more, man. And look, I'm a knee-jerk reactor. I see it all the time. Yeah, and my, sure. I was originally angry and I'm like, fuck Twitter. It looks like I'm going to be fine in other platforms. But then I came around and I said, you know what? Eight bucks is eight bucks. And yeah, uh, if I could post more videos and get seen more and be able to contact people more easier. Like, like you said, to your point, then I suppose at the end of the day, it, it's worth it. It sucks. Yep, it's yep. bullshit. I get why everyone hates Elon Musk, but whatever it is, what it is. It, it, it is what it is. Uh, one other thing too, that I want to talk some Josh Allen here, unrelated to, to the Twitter stuff going on. I just want people to know I started a, uh, my own Substack. I, I just nice. did it this week. It's uh I'll throw it up here. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'll just throw it up there. What it looks like on the screen. Basically, this is my own one-stop place for content. Like I put in all the podcast episodes up there. I'm putting, uh, I like to do like, well, we're friends on Facebook, but I don't know how often you see my shit, but I'm always putting up reviews. Mm-hmm. I love doing reviews. To you are a review fun, guy man. and power rankings. Your power well, ranking and, and power rankings. Guy. I just, yeah. I like to rank everything. I like to review everything. I like it. And I like to do it in a, in a format that's really easily consumable and just easy to read. Like I do the I pros, the cons, the verdict, the grade. And I, I write it so it's very easy to understand, quite frankly, because I'm not smart enough to, to use fancy words and terminology. Mm-hmm. But that's I've told you this before. It's like what the New York Times, you, you watch a movie or a TV show and you want to read a review of it. And you go to some of these sites like the New York Times or you read Roger Ebert. You can barely understand what the fuck he's even saying. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what are you even saying right now? So anyway, I like writing reviews. I got uh, wing reviews, TV reviews, movie reviews, music stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do even some wrestling videos. I'm going to start putting together po- all the podcast episodes. We're talking Buffalo podcast will be on there. So this is just a one-stop thing for me. And by the way, it's completely and utterly free. It's not going to be a, sub- well, you do have to subscribe, but it, it costs nothing. It won't cost anything. I'm not going to try to even charge uh, people in the future. But anyway, if you want to see my work beyond just this podcast, it's padmoran.substack.com. Dot com And like I said, man, I'm just, uh, plus it's better than like, I, I like to put stuff on Facebook, but like, this is much cleaner looking, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like you could put nice images and you kind of style your, your posts a little bit, use some bold fonts and, and things like that. So anyway, just a, a fun little thing. So like I said, pamoran.substack.com, go check that out. Um, all right, well, let's get to let's do it. Let, like let, it. Let's get to the to the stuff that I I really don't want to talk about here. Of course, um, all right. So the Josh Allen news officially, and I will say too, we're taping this uh, Thursday morning, so I, I need to preface that right now. Yeah, the the Bills have not practiced on Thursday as of this recording, so we do not know who will be limited, who will not practice at all. My guess, and this is literally a guess, and 
hopefully I don't sound too stupid. I don't think you're going to see much of, of anything from Josh Allen today. But anyway, officially, it's day-to-day. Sean McDermott said on Wednesday it was day-to-day, and he said, we'll see when talking about his uh, – his game, his game status. McDermott says he's going to rely on the doctor's wisdom and common sense moving forward in regard to uh, Josh Allen's elbow. First of all, how do you perceive, generally speaking, Sean McDermott saying day to day? Because I, I kind of feel like day to day with Sean McDermott sometimes means more. I think right now with Josh Allen, day to day is really so. I've learned a lot about sprains mm-hmm. uh, over the last. I, if you are watching, I, I'm <laughs> currently in a cast because of a ligament sprain, grade two sprain to the UCL, which is in your thumb, not the UCL that Josh injured, which is in his elbow. Uh, but I, Josh and I are not the same at all. We're not the same type of human being. He's an old farm boy. His arm could literally be falling off, and he'd want to play. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are both humans, right? And we both have tendons. We both have muscles and things like that. And his tendon, if it is um, as what some of the rumors and speculations were somewhere between a high grade one and grade two sprain, which is partially torn is what we heard from. I think Ian Rappaport and Garofolo both sort of agreed that there was some partial tearing. Time is something that's going to benefit Josh Allen in this. Like the, that ligament needs to heal. There needs to be some scar tissue that builds up that allows that to heal and if it doesn't, there's some risk of re-injury or, or further injury. You can have a full tear if you go too hard on it, if it gets hit again, something like that. So there's some day-to-day that's built in because they're going to test this continually every single day. My hand, uh, I'm going back in a week to get this cast off, and they're going to run more tests just to see where the healing process for the ligament is uh, because you, there's really not much else you can do for a ligament, right? It's just got to be what it is. So I don't see him trending in a direction where I would feel good about him playing for Sunday. It seems as from the Vegas odds that people are also Vegas betters are trending in that direction. It seems maybe Vegas knows something that maybe he won't be. The bills aren't, there's also no benefit for Sean McDermott to give anybody any information other than day to day, right? Like Josh just has to sit and rest either way. He's probably not going to participate in any real capacity in practice no matter what the media already got their media portion for the week they're not going to be involved uh at practice i don't think the rest of the week so there's no benefit and as long as there's no benefit josh or sean mcdermott's not going to give you anything and some people are like well there's no benefit either way well then sean mcdermott's still not going to give you the information if he doesn't have to right bill belichick did this for years sean mcdermott sort of operates his press conferences in the same manner Again, we're, we're, we're dropping this Friday morning. We're taping this Thursday afternoon. So it, it doesn't really benefit us to, to take any kind of guess. I, I, I kind of get a gut feeling, and that's all this literally is right now, is a gut feeling that maybe Friday we might find out that he, he won't be playing this week. I'll say this, so Josh Allen's day-to-day in Sean McDermott's book is pretty much generally a, a pretty good thing. Usually if it's really serious, McDermott will say week to week. You know, that usually means a more serious injury. That said, we've heard day-to-day before with Jordan Phillips earlier this season, and, and he ended up missing like three games. We've heard that with Ed Oliver. He's missed multiple games. Jordan Poyer has missed multiple games with uh, with his injuries. Um, I, I just, it, you know, I'm having a hard time grasping and, and I know a lot of it's just dumb luck. I don't think it's anything the Bills are doing wrong. I don't think it's anything to do with their training or the, the rehab or the recovery. But, man, these injuries. You know what's funny? We, we could talk Josh Allen for the next hour, Aaron. Uh, lost in all this stuff. Greg Rizzo, who has been very good this year, he's going to be out multiple weeks with, uh, with the ankle. He hurt his ankle. He's got a high ankle sprain, so he's going to be out multiple weeks. I've heard anywhere from two to five weeks with that. It's just it, – it's tough to grasp just how hard this team has been bitten this year with, uh, with injuries. And, you know, every week, like this injury report on Wednesday, it's like, Jesus, my first thought was, man, it'd be nice to have another buy. <laughs> I mean, the Bills just had a buy a couple of weeks ago. And this injury wow. report is really long, man. Jermaine Edmonds didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, Milano's only limited. He missed last week. Poyer did not practice at all, which I don't like that. He did not practice at all after missing the game. Um, last Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, do you expect go, going back to Josh Allen here for a second? Do you expect Sean McDermott to be really careful? Because you brought up a really good point a couple minutes ago. You were talking about Josh Allen being stubborn as a bull and tough as nails. 
you know, this kid is, you know, he's going to want to play. Do you think mm-hmm. Sean McDermott needs to be the one to say, listen, man, we have to think long-term here. You might have to miss a couple games because this is about the, you know, this is about the end game here, the long game and not uh, beating the Vikings on Sunday. Not that this game doesn't matter because it does, but do you think Sean McDermott and the staff might have to reel in Josh and say, can't do it? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what coaches and medical staff's job is, is to protect players from themselves. We've heard other good coaches talk about this in the past. You have to protect a player from themselves. All players are going to want to participate, right? Like, especially ones that have the weight of the franchise on their shoulders, like a Josh Allen. He understands what he means to this team. He understands what his availability means to the Super Bowl chances. You see it in the line, right? The line started at seven and a half. I think against a seven and one Vikings coming mm-hmm. into Buffalo and it dropped down. I think right now it's like three and a half. I, I don't know if it's going to move from there. I'm not sure on that, but you see the, how the world views this team without Josh Allen. He knows that. And so I think there's a lot of pressure on him to want to play. You know, he's got a big pain tolerance. These guys quote unquote got that dog in them. Right. So yeah, no, this is a hundred percent where what really matters to being a head coach and being the leader of an organization is protecting players from themselves and seeing the bigger picture. And that is frustrating for fans. I I see fans getting kind of frustrated now that the bills lost the game with a lot of injuries and how they're kind of being conservative, that fans are a little over that idea that we can take some games a little bit more lightly than others and sort of work our way through this regular season. But I think some of that is just our kind of mental training to being a drought era team that every regular season game mattered so much because at the end of the year, you were in the hunt. And those games that always ended up biting you in the later. Uh, this team is going to be a playoff team, whether or not they win against the Minnesota Vikings, right? Like not all victories are the same. Not all losses are the same. A loss to an NFC team does not matter nearly as much as the slate of games coming up where you have three AFC opponent, AFC East opponents coming up here in a row throughout the month of December. So that's when you need Josh Allen healthy and smart people, medical people, the football people, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, I believe they know every game matters, but I think they also understand that, man, like you said earlier, Pat, you've got a slate of games up here against teams that are probably still beatable to some extent without Josh Allen. Like you might be able to go two and three through this stretch without Josh and still have everything right in front of you. But even if you lost a couple in this stretch, if Josh is getting healthy, Again, all that matters is winning those AFC East games, winning the remaining AFC games on your schedule. Then you will be in position to be the one seed. You're definitely making the playoffs at that point. And then Josh is healthy when you need him the most. And that's really all that matters. So I think there's smart enough people in the building that know that. But when he is ready to play, that could be two weeks. That could be three weeks. Obviously, they're going to play him if he's ready. Sure. And look, man, if if he's going to miss two to four games, the, the consequence might ultimately be not getting the number one seed, which potentially, but is that more important than potentially risking bringing out Josh and having him play on Sunday because you listen to him, which I don't think Sean McDermott would do. I just want to put that out there. I think Josh Allen will play on Sunday. If the medical staff says, yes, he's healthy enough. I don't yeah. think Josh Allen's going to play because he wants to, and he's going to have, you know, say over Sean McDermott. That's not going to no. happen. But let's just say that arm's this, way too valuable. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, all right, if the consequences, we might not be the number one seed because Josh Allen's going to miss a month. Or in worst case, maybe Miami overtakes them in the division, which, um, you know, whatever. I don't know. You still, you still have an opportunity to tie with Miami sure. and to win out some AFC games here. So I don't, I don't care about what happens the rest of the week, right? Like if we come out of the week and – Bills have a loss to the Vikings and all the other AFC's teams win and it, they move down in power rankings and all these things like mid in season. I'm over caring about that type of media reaction. Cause I know them sitting him means that Josh will be more healthy later and right. we'll get hopefully a healthy team in December, January and playing the best football you can heading into the playoffs. That's absolutely really all I care about. Yep, absolutely. And it, look, if, if it takes a month to get them healthy and the cost ends up being, well, now you got to go to Kansas City in the playoffs because you had to get them healthy for a month, that's better than potentially him is what it is, getting man. re-injured and, and making it worse and not being available at all. And, and and then what? You know, he gets hurt at the end of the year, even if you have the number one seed. If you don't have Josh Allen, who gives a shit? You're not going to go to exactly. the Super Bowl without uh, Josh. One more question before we go to break here. 
again, we're, we're taping this early. We don't know that it would be fun if this was a moot point for me to ask you this question, but how okay. much confidence if Josh can't even go, let's just say, even if it's just for one game on mm-hmm. Sunday, how much confidence do you have in Case Keenum right now, realistically? Like I say on a scale of one to 10, in Case Keenum himself, like if he has to be play a game where he's making plays to win the game, mm-hmm. I, my confidence would be like a three and a half. Yeah. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I think I, Mitch Trubisky was probably better, but he also isn't a very good quarterback. We saw that, uh, right? Kenny Pickett easily overtook him for that job. Uh, this, to me, could be a really bad scenario having Case Keenum there. I think you're trying to win the game with defense and just keeping the ball out of the team's hand, not allowing Case Keenum to be a guy you have to lean on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Eric Quinn from Cover One. All right, so... We're preparing ourselves for the likeliness that Josh Allen is going to miss this game and potentially some time. Um, when it comes to the offense, you know, it's funny. I had Joe Yurden on the podcast on Tuesday. He, he's on every week. And I played an O.J. Simpson clip. I I want to play another O.J. Simpson clip for you. Like a modern and, uh, one? Um, talking now? Or? Well, <laughs> no, because listen, man. I shouldn't be promoting O.J. Simpson. I know that. But I want you to listen to what he says about the running game right now yeah. because as crazy as this dude is, as delusional as he is, and who he is, I think he has a really good point when it comes to uh, the Bills' offense. And this is even with Josh, but this is especially going to be true if Josh has to miss some time. So let me uh, let me, let me me play this real quick. This is O.J. Simpson making one of his infamous Twitter uh, videos. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, I've been sitting here waiting to get more news on Josh Allen, uh, the Buffalo quarterback, a guy that I think might be the best player in football. With all due respect to Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, uh, when this guy's out there playing, he's incredible. Um, when I saw him grab his arm, I noticed he grabbed his forearm. He was squeezing his forearm and trying to make his fingers move. Uh, before he grabbed his elbow. So I thought maybe he hit uh, a funny bone. You know how you hit your funny bone and uh, uh, how it kind of goes down. This guy fucking uh, laughing. It might be a little worse than that. Even though I did see throw the ball cr- cringy. five yards in the air after that. But when it's an elbow, uh, it could be a ligament. It could be a nerve. I think it may be more nervous. He <laughs> um, may have to take a week or two off. I'm not so concerned about Case Keenum because he does have, you know, Diggs and Davis and McKenzie and Knox. So I, I think the passing game will still be be effective. What I worry about is the Bills running the football. I've been critical for a couple of years of how they run the football. Um, you know, this rotating the backs Having a guy in two or three series, then bringing another guy in for two or three series, then bringing Cook in for a series. You don't give the back a chance to get the feel of the football a game. Normally you have a running back, you may have a third down back, but that's not how the Bills do it. You know, when I'm running the ball, um, uh, um, and I see great running backs running the ball, you always talk to your guards and stuff. Hey, man, the next time that corner, the next time that safety comes up like that, just go by it, man. I'm going to bounce it outside. Just go by it. The Bills don't have a chance to do that because the guys aren't in the game or running the plays enough 
to do that. You compute stuff every time you run uh, the football. Uh, they don't have an opportunity to do that. Every great running team is better in the second half. Uh, run, the great players, running backs, are better in the second half because they're taking advantage of what the defense is doing. So come on, Bills, develop that halfback running game because without Josh Allen running the ball, you guys are one of the worst running teams in football. I'm just saying. Come on, Bills, let's get it going. All right. So forget Dr. O.J. Simpson there and yeah. his takes about Josh Allen and what his injury might be in this yeah. and that. Is he right about the Bills running game and part of the problem being and he's, you know, without mentioning Devin Singletary specifically, that sure. he's not getting the ball enough and right. maybe that affects him. And they, because he did talk about the second half, and I'm thinking the Bills really haven't been terrible at running the football in the second half. And they haven't been very good running the football, period, when it's not Josh Allen doing the running. Sure. Again, aside from OJB and who he is as a person, just if you take what he says football wise, didn't. Do you feel like that kind of made sense, what he said? Uh, so. This is tough, I know. Yeah, so one, I would like to just say we kind of live in this, like, idiocracy world where OJ's, like, gets retweeted and talked about. Um, here's the thing. if One, two, for maybe some younger fans. If OJ uh, wasn't a straight-up murderer and didn't commit double homicide, he would be, like, your – he would be on the Fox – with Terry Absolutely. and all the, he was a star like no other sideline reporter, mm -hmm. commercials, TV shows in the 80s, 70s, 80s. Dude, OJ was everything. My dad, before he was a murderer, was one of the biggest OJ Simpson fans in the world. Like every time we would talk about it, he would just gush about the athleticism and stuff like that. So, sure. He, if obviously he is a double murderer, so he didn't get away uh, to be able to do that, but he'd be all over broadcasts to this day. So his points, I th I'm trying to kind of say that even though he's this crazy old guy, he does know football and he does pay attention to it. He has a passion for it. He's not wrong in his assessment in terms of like, I do think Devin Singletary is a better running back. The more touches he gets, the more consistent that he's in the game. I've said that here now for a couple of years. And I do, I still think Devin Singletary is your best option in the run game. I think you probably have more chances when he's touching the ball so far than anything. Although I like in the limited action, James Cook, I kind of like this new run game. The Bills just don't lean into the run game all that much. And here's the, the truth about this, Pat. I'm not a guy that's saying don't ever run the ball or don't have any type of physical run game. I do think it's still needed in football, but every time – an offense chooses to run the ball versus pass the ball, that is a small win for the defense, right? Like it, passing is sure. more effective. You're going to get more yards, more opportunities at touchdowns, more explosive plays, which are super important in the NFL. And the game is just tilted towards providing uh, more passing and more big plays, right? Like the rules are that way. So the fact that the bills are one of the best at that is fantastic. And if you're, I just talked about this on the defensive side because people over the last six quarters are a little bit worried about the run defense. If you're going to have flaws on either side of the ball in 2022 in this NFL, it's going to be in the run game, right? Like if I had to pick to have a flaw, it would be in the run game. And real quick, uh, looking at, according to DVOA, their top 10 rush offenses right now in the NFL are the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, Baltimore Ravens, New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Las Vegas Raiders, Cincinnati, and Detroit. That's your top 10 in the NFL right now. And so, like, here, uh, Dallas is good. Baltimore's pretty good. Philly's really good. Minnesota 7-1, and one, but nobody really believes in them in DVOA. They're not really efficient. So you have four of these teams out of the top 10 in rushing that are actually good teams. And then you've got a bunch of garbage teams in here, right? And DVOA accounts for um, some of the garbage running that goes on and accounts for opponent. And so my question to, you know, Bill's Mafia, as we get upset about both sides of the ball and, and their effectiveness to run and against the run, do we care? that much in 2022 like does it matter if you're gonna have a flaw i feel like that could be the flaw i want it to be better but maybe we should just have some perspective of really how much that matters i guess i i agree to your point when you were just saying that when you run the ball it feels like a small win for the defense like, i kind of felt like that against green bay i'm like go ahead keep running the ball 
You know, Aaron Rodgers right, right, right. is not going to sling it down the field. I'm like, all right, man. All right, Aaron Jones backing up some yards. Okay, good, good. Who cares? It backfired in that one drive for the Jets where you had Josh Allen not on the field and they bled mm-hmm. six minutes off the clock, but that's that's more rare than Bills it. generally will play better defense. Yeah. They'll look better than they did than that last drive against the Jets, which I hope was some form of an anomaly because that was just uh that was really frustrating and really bad. Circling back to the Bills offense here, going into this Minnesota game. It's easy to say, all right, well, if Josh Allen is not playing in case Keenum is, all right, well, the Bills are going to be a more balanced team and they're going to run the football a lot more. I don't know about that. And that's what worries me about Case Keenum because, quite frankly, I don't think the Bills are very good at running the football. And when they are, like, De- I t- me and you differ on Devin Singletary. And I, it's funny because I was a big Devin Singletary guy. I remember saying after his rookie year, I said, he's going to be the best player on his offense. Going I, I remember I some comps to Thurman. Yeah, me and you talking well, about. I was wrong. All right. <laughs> because I'm telling you now, I don't think he's very good. Um, he does some things well. He is slippery. He He's done a better job of not fumbling, too. You can tell by the way he's running, too. Like he holds that ball real tight. Mm-hmm. But he's slippery. He can get through some smaller holes, but he he's not a home run threat. He, he doesn't ever break a fucking tackle, man, and that pisses me off. It seems like he never breaks a tackle. It looks like he's going to get a first down. He gets hit a yard before the first down marker, and he gets taken down a yard before the first down marker. He doesn't move the pile. He's got he one of the better like, tackles. He's got one of the better tackle break. Like I, it doesn't feel that way to me, man. I get it. I, it doesn't feel that way to me. And he also is benefited by Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. He's running into white boxes. Compare, you know, you're not stacking the run. It's not like they're trying to defend Najee Harris or. You know, a lot of these teams that like to run the football. So he's right. got lighter boxes. His stats are fine. Well, at least his yards per carry, 4.4. Only got 347 yards on the season, in part because they do switch up running backs to OJ's point, and also Josh Allen gets a lot of yards. Right. I don't know, man. If if Josh is going to miss time, I want to see more. And I've said this before, but now I mean, really mean it. I want to see more <laughs> James Cook. Yeah. I, I really do. I just feel like if if you miss if you make a mistake, I feel like James Cook can make you pay with a, with a touchdown or a, or a big play. I don't feel that way with Singletary, although analytically I could be wrong. I just, but anyway, here, here's what I was saying. I don't think the Bills can successfully run the football without Josh Allen being on the field, which is going to put a lot more on Casey Keenum. If you're the Vikings, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have Josh Allen, aren't you gonna? You're gonna make a more concerted effort to focus on stopping the run, aren't you? Than you would if Josh Allen was out there. Make Case Keenum beat you with that arm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but I think that's gonna happen to any team that's putting in a backup in right. that situation, right? Like you're gonna have that sellout. Which the Vikings have been lucky, by the way. I think this might be like assuming Josh don't play. I think this is like the fourth time already yeah. this season they've played a backup quarterback. I just had an argument with a Vikings fan on Twitter this morning about the sustainability of their seven and one record. I, I don't want to call them frauds because I got burnt for saying that about the Jets, even though I, I do think the Jets are still a bit their records a little bit inflated, even though they got the best of us. Um, at the Vikings very much seem inflated to me. And I do think it'll come crashing down here throughout the second half of the season. It's not sustainable to have this type of record again in one score games. Like we know that there's an element of luck to one score games mm-hmm. that, that most teams cannot sustain winning those at that clip. So uh, one, if I was a Vikings fan, I would probably want to see them winning by a bigger margin um, in terms of sustain sustainability, but then, yeah, uh, you're also not going to face slates of backup quarterbacks. Like that's not a sustainable path to winning either. I, I agree with you for the most part, but I will say in the NFC, I mean, the Eagles are the clear cut best team in the NFC right now. I don't think there's, yeah. there is no debate about that. After uh, that though, who, who would you say Frisco? Yeah. I think people are sleeping on San Francisco. Uh, I, right. I, the, right now, San Francisco, I would say it's them and Eagles in an AFC in an NFC championship game. And I think the way that the uh, Niners are built, like, Eagles haven't played a lot of challenging teams yet, even though their stats look good and stuff. And I, I think they're one of the top teams in the league, but I want to see a real big win for them. I haven't seen it yet. I'll tell you what I like about the Eagles, by the way, getting off topic here. You know, everyone talks about their offense and Hurts is having an MVP caliber season or certainly MVP discussion season. Their their secondary, their defense is pretty good, man. Their, yeah. their corners are sweet. The Eagles are a, a good football team. But I anyway, wanted Bradbury so much in yeah, free agent. Yeah, him and Slate. God damn it! Talk about good corner pair. Um, 
Dallas, maybe. Uh, besides that, though, my point yeah. is the Eagles are probably one of the best three at worst four teams sure. in, in, in the NFC. They do have a lot of talent. One thing that's going to suck, too, and this, look, it doesn't mean anything other than it's just one football game, but Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson going at it would have been a lot more fun if Josh Allen was throwing Stefan the ball. Sure. You know Stefan wants to have He's an emotional dude. You know he wants to come out and beat his team and have a yeah. big game against the Vikings. So that, that aspect will kind of suck. But, yo, the Vikings, my, my point is the Vikings do have a lot of – they got formidable talent on there to Jefferson and Thielen and, and Cook and TJ Hawkins. had like nine catches after getting traded for it just in, on a couple of days of practice. Uh, Madison's a really good running back. This is, this, this is going to be a tough game for the Bills. Even with Josh Allen, this wasn't no cakewalk. But without Josh, uh, it's going to be a real tough game, I think. I, without Josh, it'll definitely be a tough game. And any, really any game except for that Lions game maybe would be, in my opinion, if you're going to win games with Case Keenum, it's going to be like 17-13, type games where he just makes a few mistakes, but then gets you in a position to get a field goal to win the game or something like that. Like it's not, it's going to be ugly. It'll be typical backup QB type football, but I think if Josh Allen's playing in this game, I think I predicted, I don't have my show notes right here. I think I predicted like uh, 38 to 20 was my prediction. If you're, if you're playing with Josh Allen, let's not get this twisted here. Uh, The bills have not played well for the past six quarters. Their defense actually still played elite. They're still an elite defense in the NFL compared to their peers in both run and pass. And so I think they can win just on that alone, just on having a top tier elite defense. That's about to get Travis white back. Let's not forget uh, as well here and Matt Milano could be playing soon we don't know um, so I think you already have the elite defense and then when Josh Allen is back even though we're frustrated Gabe Davis isn't doing more and Isaiah McKenzie hasn't stepped up necessarily this offense is still one of the most efficient one of the most effective has the highest point differential in the NFL they're turning the ball over at a high clip which isn't good but you expect at some point that's going to get cleaned up this is still one of the, the most elite teams right there with Philly in the league. And so if, if they're healthy and they have Josh Allen, to me, this would still be a multiple score game. I just, I don't believe in the Vikings at all. They have a, a, a path to beating the bills with that run game. Obviously the bills are susceptible to some of the run and Dalvin cook is a beast. He, he can get his and break off huge runs, great game breaking stuff, but Kirk cousins, he can get the ball out quick. That's the way to beat the Bills, getting the ball out quick and allowing those receivers to make plays. He's not really doing that this year in this offense. The ball's not coming out quick. He's taking a lot of hits. He's getting balls batted down. He's still putting up big numbers, but I don't think that's the recipe to beat the Bills. So unless he changes what he's done this year and doing what Zach Wilson did and not even allowing pressure to come and just hitting your first read, getting the ball to Jefferson and letting him do his stuff, I don't think they're going to be able to have long sustained drives against this defense. I just don't. And I do think also their defense is giving up. They are 31st in the NFL against number one wide receivers, according to DVOA. So even without Josh Allen, the path to the bills having success on offense is the same thing Is case Keenum hitting that one read, your first read to Diggs on a slant or some quick route where Diggs can just get open with quick space, twitch, and give Diggs 13, 14 targets in a game like this and, and lean into what you're good at. I don't think everyone's saying get into the run game and do that. I don't know that with Case Keenum is now the time to try to reinvent yourself entirely. Go at Diggs and get that guy cooked and get the ball in his hands. A couple quick things here, and then I want to finish with our, our medal stand. I've yeah. spent a lot of this conversation more or less kind of shitting on Case Keenum. I will say this, if, if he's going to start, it is good for him to have an entire week of practice knowing that he's going to start getting first team reps the entire week. I would think that that would uh, benefit him as well. Another thing too, going back to last week's game, not really a question for you, more or less a, a statement that you and everyone else would concur with. You really see how valuable Matt Milano is when he's not playing for the, for the Buffalo Bills. I, I think his presence out there was missed sorely on Sunday. He's just that kind of guy who always makes one or two game impactful plays, whether it's a, a tackle for a loss, a hard hit on a, on a screen pass that might've busted for a big play Warren, not for him. You know what I'm talking about? I, I think his presence was missed quickly. Uh, we've talked a lot for several weeks now about Adele Beckham Jr. Do you mm-hmm. think the status of Josh Allen may affect the chances of him signing with the Buffalo Bills? For, I for sure has some impact of the uncertainty, right? Like, um, 
it depends when Odell is trying to get on a team by. We heard the report from Jake Glazer, Glazer that he could be good to go sooner than mm-hmm. uh, maybe I, people like myself anticipated. I thought this was a no sooner than Thanksgiving, maybe December 1st type thing. Uh, sounds like maybe in the week, week or so that he would be able to go and sign with a team. At the same time, there might not be a rush for him in seeing how this plays out, right? Like, I don't know that the Eagles would be in on it. Like we said, they're a true contender. We know he wants to get on a contender. Cowboys, maybe. I don't know if, you know, a couple of reporters said the Cowboys aren't necessarily a Odell Beckham away from overtaking the Eagles in their own division even, right? Um, so I, I do think the Cowboys are a potential threat to the Bills right now if the Bills don't um, act quick. And that uncertainty of Josh may have him pause right now to see what's going to go on. But I think he's tuned in enough to Von Miller, the way those two talk. I'm sure they're talking all the time. A lot of the guys on the team are still going after trying to get him here. Um, What we do know is it's not season ending, right? Josh Allen is going to be back. And Mm -hmm. if Odell came here, he's going to at least get a a month and a half of regular season football still. Plus, you know, you're going to the playoffs if you're with the Buffalo Bills and most likely getting in multiple playoff games. And so I still think the Bills are the best opportunity at what he wants, which is um, chasing a ring and having a platform to show his talents to go on and get another contract. I think the Buffalo Bills still make the most sense. I'll tell you what, too, when I d- did an immediate post game after on Sunday or, or had reactions, I should say, at least after Sunday, not necessarily on the podcast, just right, wrote right. down some stuff. My thought about Adele Beckham Jr. was this, man, after watching the Bills and after watching Isaiah McKenzie, two catches for 12 yards, they're still not really using Shakur. I've said all along that Odell Beckham would be a nice pickup for the Bills, mm-hmm. almost kind of like a luxury thing, you know, just adding another weapon to uh, a bunch of them. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, after Sunday's game, I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily call him a need right now, but to him, you you could get away with calling him a need. I think the Bills could certainly use, for sure, Odell Beckham Jr. in this offense, more so now after seeing that Isaiah McKenzie, just he's just not getting it done, man. Two catches, 12 yards. He is who he is. What, what's going to change about Isaiah McKenzie next week? He might have a week, but, you know, on a consistent, reliable basis, I don't trust him. So, anyway, my point was I think Odell Beckham Jr., has become more of a, I don't want to go as far to say necessity, but they could really, really use him. Uh, I think uh, also on that vein that for a long time, we've been talking about just this slot competition. I think I even said on like over the next month, there's a slot competition Mm -hmm. and that Odell plays into that third role. And I don't even know if that's true. I think, I like Gabe Davis for his ability to have that explosive plays. And I don't know if it's some of how Dorsey's using him versus what his abilities are. But I'll tell you what, right now the bills are missing the, not the person Cole Beasley, but they're missing the on the field product of a reliable wide receiver that gets open when he needs to, and is reliable to catch and and be a security blanket for Josh Allen. I wanted to see maybe more of that possession style stuff from Gabe Davis, where he's taking a slant route or he's taking something that when you need a first down, somebody that can besides Stefan Diggs, be leaned into, to help you continue to move the chains. And right now that's kind of been Devin Singletary and he's not particularly good at that. And so the consistency, I want to see more from Gabe Davis. And until we see it, like the bills don't owe it to Gabe Davis to be the number two wide receiver, the number two option in this offense. Like he continually has to earn that. Like he really hasn't arrived yet, even though he's had large production uh, in limited uh, quantities, but he still has issues with drops. He is not an efficient receiver yet. And so with that, I, being a Super Bowl contender, I would like to see somebody that has maybe the proven production in the NFL, and you're not going to get that off the street in any other scenario besides Odell Beckham. Time is going to prevent us from having a, a Gabe Davis discussion today. And yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Man, I am a founding member of the Gabe, Gabe Davis fan club, man. I love the guy, but he has not been the Gabe Davis that I expected this year at all. He's been very spotty, and I know the ankle had something to do with it early on, but really maddening, uh, in, inconsistent. One last thing, and like I said, I want to do the medal stand after that, but Josh Allen's injury, and that's all we're talking about, and that's all we should be talking about because that's all that matters. I'm not worried about Josh. You're not worried about Josh. on the right. field I'm talking about. But it is worth pointing out, the second half of the Green Bay game, he threw two horrible, mm-hmm. mind-blowing interceptions that just were weird almost. And I was like, all right, whatever. They got a big lead. Shit happens. The, the Jets game, injury aside, Mm-hmm. Not very, by Josh Allen standards anyway, not a great game. And 
again, two more interceptions. And his last four interceptions, Aaron, they haven't been, oh, geez, bad luck, shit happens, uh, tip ball at the line, yeah. oh, the DB just made a great play. He's literally thrown four gift interceptions over the last, uh, what, five and a half quarters or so before the injury. I don't want to say there's anything to worry about, but something to monitor that it's like, what, what's going on with these mistakes? It felt very twenty. I don't want to say his rookie year because I said it. I or twenty nineteen. It feels like it's always- twenty nineteen is what yeah. I was going to. Where yeah. man, he'd be on Sports Center because he'd make some unbelievable plays, but then he was just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, that's been the case the last five and a half, six quarters, man. The last six quarters feel very 2019 to me sure. in that you yep. have a, a defense. Uh, say what you want about the run game and stuff. You have a defense that is playing well and good enough to win, right? If you hold a team in 2022 to 20 points or less, you should win that football game. You should be your offense with the type of weapons that you have here in Buffalo and the amount of money that you've spent to put together this offense, you should be able to put up. 21 or more points right yeah. so uh it's hard to look at the defense with too much criticism but yeah over the last six quarters it's felt very 2019 ish and i'm not worried i've seen enough josh to know that he'll get this corrected we'll clean up some of the sloppy stuff i think they're going to play their best football late in the season when they need to be but it's frustrating just like when i am working on something with my kids right and we uh, potty training and i figure if we're finally there. I can throw out the diapers and then my kid craps himself. It's like, ah, we're still doing this, right? Like right. you're just frustrated that I thought we were past this and here I am putting a diaper back on you or feeling like, you know, back to those memories again. And that's frustrating, but I have full faith that Josh is going to get past this. Some of this stuff was a little fluky. Um, I think they'll get back on the same page again, even with these six quarters, one of the most efficient passing offenses in the NFL. And it's really not even close. There's a huge gap between them and the rest of the league in terms of EPA um, efficiency when it comes to passing and the type of production they're getting on drives and sustaining drives. Right. So we can point at the warts and the flaws and still understand that if even with all that, there's a lot of meat on the bone, but they're still performing at a better clip than all of their peers. Sure. Uh, new feature here on casual Friday Pat Moran's random bobblehead collection each week. I'm going to put one on. So oh. I guess you have to be on YouTube uh, to be able to see this. By the way, if you if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. This week we're going to go with let me, let, let is me that get Travis Henry? Picture. It sure is. Oh man, there he is, Travis Henry. That's a good one. That's dude. my weekly random. Uh, I freaking Travis Henry is one of my absolute favorite drought era players, dude. He had, I had jersey. He was so good for two years, man. Two thousand two, two thousand three. People love Fred Jackson. Travis Henry is maybe the best. Well, Marshawn Lynch is probably the most talented drought era running back. But to Travis Henry in those two years, I couldn't. That's some of the best running football I've seen. He had like 1,356 yards and 1,400 some yards over those two years. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, the first game I ever went to in Buffalo, Bills, Bears, because my brother's a Bears fan. We drove all the way up from Maine. Went to overtime. Drew Bledsoe hit Travis Henry on a little screen pass, and he took it like 35 yards for the touchdown. The place just blew up. <laughs> Travis was awesome. By the way, also, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, Aaron each week has a different sign to the left. <laughs> it says, yes. I am day-to-day. That, that, I am emotionally. Yeah. I'm emotionally day-to-day. All right, so we're going to finish with yeah. our weekly medal stand. We do two topics each week, and it goes gold, silver, bronze, pretty self-explanatory, the medal stand. This week, we're going to go quarterbacks you would trade for if you had to trade Josh Allen today. And let's be real clear, folks. Bills ain't trading Josh Allen. Pat nor Aaron. Just likes Bills to stir up. Should. Pat just trying to just stir for fun, hypothetical. If the league said, we, Josh, you can't be in Buffalo anymore. So you have, you're Brandon Bean. You have to trade him. Give me, and, and by the way, usually we go bronze, silver, and work our way up to gold. Let's flip it this time. Because I know you're saying for gold. So, uh. But if you had to trade Josh Allen today, three quarterbacks, give me your gold, give me your silver, give me your bronze. Okay. So you also had two at gold. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hate on Tua, man. No, no, no. Very efficient. Yeah, that's cool. Um, If I had to do this and I was making a trade, obviously, yes. Mahomes is one. I have Lamar Jackson as my silver. Uh, I, I don't, I think 
Bills fans are probably too low on him. There's a weird dynamic between Bills fans and Ravens fans about these quarterbacks, but Lamar, in my opinion, is the type of quarterback you're looking for in the modern NFL in terms of the guys available. And then uh, Jalen Hurts would be my third. And I think a lot of people would put Justin Herbert here. Herbert, to me, um, is the like guy that he shows up for casting and he looks the part. And he looks like this should be the best thing you've ever had, but it really, you just don't see the results with any type of consistency and he can't seem to stay healthy. I don't think he's got that dog in him like these other guys that can, when everything breaks down and you need a guy to go make a play, I trust in all three of these guys way more than I've seen in Justin Herbert, but I know he's pretty in the, you know, it's efficient and PFF loves him and all these places love him, but it doesn't translate the way those other guys do. That is a good Justin Herbert take there. I like it. All right. Gold for me is obviously Mahomes. I actually have Jalen Hurts, Silver. And by the way, this is not necessarily the three most talented, although Mahomes is the most talented besides yeah. Josh. This is also regards to fit, and you look at the Bills' offense, I think Jalen Hurts would be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, you kind of sold me out of I, I think I would have had Herbert as the bronze until you said that, man. You actually made made a good point. Maybe – uh. Maybe Dak Prescott might be my bronze be guy right now. I love Lamar Jackson. I just don't think he'd be a great fit in this offense because <sighs> as much as they throw the football, I he love Lamar Jackson. He can throw the ball, man. They just haven't – I'm yeah. telling you, Greg Roman is not doing him favors as a passer. I think in this offense, he would be very deadly. That's I think fair. he would. That's fair. All right, second category here, and we'll go back to the traditional bronze, silver, and working your way up to gold. Um, Aaron Quinn's favorite holidays. Yeah. Um, so we're going back to the traditional. So first of all, I want to preface this with, um, however many holidays they are, what is at the bottom of holidays is Easter. It is. I agree. (laughs) Absolutely. The worst holiday that exists. The absolute bottom of any power ranking should be Easter ham stinks. The Easter bunny is kind of like a dumb idea. Then you have like this whole like sort of there's obviously a big religious tie to it. And then there's bunnies. It's confusing. It's a weird holiday. Uh, Pastel colors and crappy brunches like none of it. I'm not into any of that. Uh, So that's at the bottom. So then my bronze Memorial Day weekend, right? Kickoff to we've had a long winter here in Buffalo sun starting to come out. It's a it's a kickoff weekend. It's a really celebration. There's really you know, there's obviously ties Memorial Day, but most people celebrate it as the kickoff to the summer season. And mm-hmm. there's grilling and hot dogs and getting people together. And that's the kind of holidays I'm into. So Memorial Day is up there. I give it a lot of crap um, because of how people attack me over Christmas. Thanksgiving is probably second. Um, if, I, if I'm not allowed to count Christmas Eve as its own separate holiday and I have mm-hmm. to have Christmas be its number one, um thanksgiving second i don't love turkey some of the sides are overrated but it's a day full of football and eating and hanging out um and while there's some terrible backstory to it we as americans have kind of just muddied that and thrown it out and we just treat it as what we want it to be and it is still good to see everybody and get together and and have thanksgiving and to me it's part of the greater christmas season which is it has if it's not your gold I don't know how close we can be in real life. Like if Christmas doesn't do it for you and the whole Christmas season just isn't magical and the music and the movies and the food and the cookies and all of it, not even talking about the presents, but the way kids light up over presents. If you're, if you're a person with a family or anything, Christmas is just, there's no magic like it in the world. It's the absolute best. And I can't even entertain any idea of people having a gold that isn't Christmas. Well, you're about to, uh, hear, uh, Christmas not being gold with me. Oh my but God, Patrick. How you feel about Easter is how I feel, by the way, about Halloween. I think if you're older than 12 Halloween's years old, down there, yeah. Halloween is silly if you're more than 12 years old, if it's supposed to be trick-or-treating or candy or wearing costumes. But anyway, I regress. My bronze is St. Patrick's Day. Simply put, I'm Irish. I like to drink yeah, beer. Sure. And, and you're like a South Buffalo, Buffalo guy. And yeah. it's not even just a day now. It's a season. You have the Shamrock Run in early March. You got the pub crawl for St. Patrick's Day. You got the downtown parade. That I don't go I've to. I've never done any St. Patrick's Day Buffalo stuff. So no, maybe it's I'll a go whole, do this you, you should. It's a whole season, especially in the South Buffalo area. Now you're going to tell me Dingus Day is next, right? No, 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 no. I'm not a Dingus Day guy. I'm not a Dingus Day guy. That's unpopular to say on this show, I'm sure. But um, Silver's going to be Christmas for me. All, all the things you said are 100% true. What I don't like about Christmas, and I've said this before, and the only thing I don't like about Christmas is uh, parents 
and it, it sucks to see. I've done it. You might have done it, or you will do it someday. You go, you overextend yourself too much, and because you want to please your kids and get the gifts, and then you end up going into debt for three months after Christmas is over. All the joy and the kids' faces lighting up, and sure, it's worth it. But those next three months of credit card statements or being behind on this or not having the money to do that because families go broke taking care of their kids and whatever for Christmas. That's the one aspect of Christmas I hate. The season as a whole, though, I mean, it's elite. It's amazing. I love the music, the movies. The yeah, I even like the snow. Gold for me is Thanksgiving. I like turkey, unlike you. Yeah. I love turkey. I don't care about the sides either. In fact, I just get a big-ass bowl of turkey or a plate of turkey with gravy, and I eat about 30 biscuits. I don't even have any sides, but the football, and I love the concept of being at the same table with family and stuff. And again, you're not, it's not costing you money. Well, it is if you're preparing dinner for people. cooking, right? I was gonna say, but you know what I'm saying? You're not going broke, you're not, you're, you're not going poor. The concept, and to your point, the origins of Thanksgiving is messed up, but the concept of family being together that day and watching football and being together and just celebrating having food together to me, to me, that's that's as good as it gets, man. Yep. So I'll take it. I still think uh, I'm a little disappointed that you don't have Christmas number one. Just because nah. I do get the debt thing. I, I, we honestly, we are a lot of our stuff our kids get is like from thrift stores and stuff like that. We mm. try to at our house keep the presents not the number one part of Christmas. For me, it's the movies. I'm, I'm getting my kid in on the movies and just trying yeah. to get all the experiences and, but it is expensive and everybody, everybody charges everything for Christmas. I, your, I can see that. Point. To your point, your your, your kids are young enough right now. They can, can get, get away, away with that. that. When they get older, they, they, they might not necessarily want that thrift store stuff. Trust ah, me. I, 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 <laughs> all right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn, seven one six. Of course, check out cover one Buffalo podcast, Aaron and Quinn. They crush it twice every week thanks buddy always a good time man thank you man man. take care guys and i will talk to you uh next tuesday